Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Gabe Parson and Michael Darnowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist Jay Carson. Our top story this week is more police violence, where on Monday a grand jury decided to not indict two Cleveland police officers in the November 2014 shooting of 12-year-old Tamir Rice. And in Chicago, there have been protests and calls for the resignation of Mayor Rahm Emanuel after police killed two people the day after Christmas. Now, the Chicago incident comes after more than a year of stonewalling from city officials after the October 2014 killing of Laquan McDonald, who was shot 16 times by Chicago police. So more police violence, more questions about the, uh, the fairness of these, uh, of these proceedings. Uh, what do you make of all this, Jay? Well, I, I would say, first of all, we want to separate the two incidents. And I, the one I, I, I can tell you I, I'm more, much more familiar with because it happened just a couple miles from where I live, uh, that being the, the Tamir Rice uh, situation. Right. Um, and what, what happened recently last week was the uh, grand jury uh, declined to issue an indictment against the uh, police officer. Uh, and the prosecutor uh, essentially was supportive of that decision. Um, uh, so we've had we've had some protests here in Cleveland, although not not significant, not the the volume that you've seen in, in other places. Um, and there's probably an interesting discussion we could have on that. But um, you know, I guess what what troubles me is is the uh, sort of how this has been played in the media uh, and by some political opp- opportunists to really sort of start a fire when maybe there shouldn't be one. Now, um, now I'm, I'm wondering, now, this is grand juries, essentially, that, right, the famous phrase is a grand jury would indict a ham sandwich. Indeed. And so yes. then it, it makes me wonder if the prosecutor had no intent whatsoever of seeking an indictment, why even take it to a grand jury? This seems like, this seems like a sham. It seems like something that's just done for the sake of appearances. Uh, cops are, are rarely indicted by grand juries. And I think, you know, it makes perfect sense because there's a huge fundamental conflict of interest when you're asking prosecutors to indict cops. Uh, so I, I think it seems to me this system is is broken and that we need some other way of dealing with police violence. Well, I don't know that it's it's broken because we'll, we'll talk in a minute about the, the Chicago situation where the police uh, police officer was charged with murder uh, in Cleveland, the Tamir Rice uh, for those who, who aren't familiar, uh, Tamir Rice was 12 years old. He was in a public park uh, waving around what appeared to be a, a real handgun. It was a, an airsoft you know, pellet gun, BB gun, essentially. Um, waving it at people, yelling at people, sort of accosting them. Uh, there was a 911 call uh, at which the caller told the 911 operator, uh, listen, there's a you know kid waving a gun around to people yelling at him. I think it's probably a fake gun. Uh, in when that call was relayed to the police, the probably a fake gun information was not included, uh, and police officers drove up. Uh, there was the, the video, which which you can see. Uh, it all occurs just incredibly quickly. Uh, a police officer pulls up within a few feet of uh, Tamir Rice, uh, pulls his gun, uh, and there's the video, and that's what 
is is sort of open for debate. Uh, it appears that uh, Tamir Rice is is reaching for his waistband uh, to grab the gun, and he's he's shot within within. I mean, I want to say it's less than two seconds. Um, and, and originally, the prosecutor did decline to do anything with it. Uh, there was community pressure that it go to a grand jury. Um, and, and it and, seems to me that the but the grand jury proceeding is fundamental of the deck is the decks are the deck is absolutely stacked against whatever the prosecutor wants and also it's a closed proceeding so people have no idea what actually went on essentially and so it seems to me that when you have a situation where the prosecutor gets to present whatever evidence he wants where the mm-hmm. cops aren't cross-examined and where the public doesn't know what's going on that to me seems horrifically unjust uh, a way a way of going about things especially when if we look around the world most systems have gone away have done away with this grand jury process and so it, it seems to me that this is a relic this is a system that is is like I said, fundamentally broken, especially when it comes to police violence against civilians. Well, no, but I want to walk people through what how it actually works. I mean, a prosecutor has certain duties. Um, and, and first of all, the, the prosecutor has a duty not to bring charges uh, if he doesn't believe there's probable cause to support those charges. And yet, so... This prosecutor clearly didn't, and he so that that the prosecutor basically was was acting unethically here in this case. Then no, 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 no. It, it's I'm saying he acted ethically because he, if he didn't believe there was probable cause, and a grand jury reached that same conclusion, so you're uh, saying that. But the... he took the second step, and it went to a grand jury, and the prosecutor has the obligation to put in all evidence, uh, both evidence that would uh, tend to convict, and also evidence that would tend to. Uh, acquit. So, you, so you're saying that, that no you're saying that the prosecutor in this case made a good faith effort to to get an indictment against uh, against these police officers. No, that's, I, that's yeah. Okay, I want to make but sure. No, no, no. But that's that's where I think where the the problem is is the function of the prosecutor is not to get an indictment. Uh, the function of the prosecutor is to present all the evidence uh, that would support an indictment and also evidence that would be. Uh, go to trial that that would be uh, uh, lead to an acquittal. The prosecutor has an absolute duty to present all of that. Uh, and in this case, the, the primary evidence, um, there was likely other stuff, witness testimony and so forth, uh, which, which I don't have access to. Um, but most of it was, was very public in that it was the uh, surveillance video that was released. Uh, and then there were, you know, several experts who opined on it. Uh, one expert opined that the shooting was justified based on, you know, appeared that, that uh, Tamir Rice was reaching for his waistband. Uh, another expert uh, said that uh, it was not. Uh, from that, I mean, the other responsibility the prosecutor has is to advise the grand jury on whether a conviction is, is likely or not. Um, and, and I think that's that's what happened. So I... Well, see, I mean, that's the fundamental problem is we think we don't know isn't to get isn't to get indictments. It's a in fact, a defense against indictments, except that from what I understand, the vast, vast majority of instances in which a prosecutor seeks an indictment, well over 90 percent, he gets an indictment. But if you take a look at if you take a look at cases involving police shootings, that's almost flipped entirely. And so, right. I mean, well, no, no. And then, okay, let's 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 think that through then. Why? Why would that be? If unless unless you're going in there with the first of all, police shootings, there's always going to be the very significant defense of I was acting in self-defense or I was acting reasonably 
uh, as a police officer, either defending myself or defending others. Now, most other people, uh, most other shooters don't have that defense available to them. Right. That's that's mm-hmm. number one. Um, you also look at the circumstances of of saying, well, here is one one guy who uh, shot somebody during a, a drug deal gone bad. Uh, here's another who was a, a police officer. Again, the factors that, that the grand jury is going to go into considering sure. of, of and you know, I, and the I, bad guy here. I'm with you here. I believe that I, I think it makes perfect sense that police get the benefit of the doubt here. Absolutely. So I, I understand. I wouldn't expect it to be the same sort of rate that you would so, get for other cases. Yeah. It, but, it's going to be much, much, much but, lower. But but here's the thing is that if if you look at the if you look at the American Bar Association's ethical rules for attorneys, they and say okay, well yeah, you should. <laughs> you're an attorney. But, and in particular for prosecutors, yeah. That, yeah, they say that uh, when there is a conflict of interest or a conflict of interest exists, when attorneys face a significant risk that their work will be affected by other responsibilities or loyalties. Now, in an instance where something like over ninety five percent of all district attorneys are elected. And that police endorsements and that money from police sources plays a huge role in these campaigns. The idea to me that there isn't an ethical quandary here, an ethical problem here is 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 mind blowing. And I'm not blaming, in a sense, the prosecutors. They're, you know, not only do they have to worry about reelection, but they have to worry about working with police. And there are plenty of cases where prosecutors who have gone after police, rightly or wrongly, have faced essentially retaliation. So I get why they're doing it. It's a problem of totally screwed up incentives. And that's why I think something like a special prosecutor situation is really what you need for all of these police shootings, not ask the, not ask the, the regular, you know, district attorney, county prosecutors to do this because you're putting them in an impossible situation. You know what? And I, I would agree with you there. I think uh, the, the better wisdom might've been to have uh, a special prosecutor, but, but that's not what happened. Um, no, it's not. Now, again, we, we had talked about this before. Is, do you do that in, in every case, in every situation? Um, I, I don't know. Is, is it a good thing to have a prosecutor that's that's completely immune to the political um, political will? Because because here's the thing in, in Cleveland, there is a substantial political will um, to have the officer officer prosecuted. In fact, uh, the Democratic Party has refused to endorse for prosecutor. It's going to be a contested election. Um and and people are saying McGinty may well be in trouble. Um, <clears throat> now that's there's a lot of inside Cleveland politics stuff that sure. know, goes beyond Tamir Rice involved in that. I think, but um, you know, I I, I don't think that the uh, the sense that the prosecutor always is elected on the basis of how many convictions he gets. I think that's the conventional wisdom, and it's probably right most of the time, but not right all the time. No, and I'm, I'm not. I'm and this to... is this is a situation where I think the prosecutor actually had to go against the prevailing political winds. Um, uh, and you know, the, again, if if this had just been playing politics, I think you would have seen an indictment. Uh, assuming now, again, that's that's even. I think I, I shouldn't say that because that's sort of uh, I don't know. Disrespectful is the word, but but it, it, it implies that the grand jury decision was was political, and that's not what I mean to imply. Uh, what I'm saying is if, if politics were to override this, I think you, you would definitely have gotten that result. But- well, well, I think fundamentally that the issue is that given, given the perception 
that, rightly or wrongly, that cops are essentially running rampant. And I don't agree with that perception, but I do know that the culture has changed a whole lot in large part thanks to people having cameras all over the place. Right. Uh, and that, that's, you know, I think probably police actually are, are more professional and doing a better job now than they have 20, 30, 40 years ago, but just more stuff is being caught. And the police culture needs to change in response to that, obviously. But given the perception in the community uh, that the police are acting, you know, uh, acting wrongly in many cases and killing people, committing homicides. I think that something needs to be done to 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 get people to feel that their this concern is being dealt with, to deal with this in in some way by saying we're going to set up a process that we take away even the appearance of conflict of interest. And by having some sort of a special independent prosecutor, that's what you do. And I think not doing that is essentially just ignoring what I feel are the completely legitimate concerns of these communities. Well, all right. I, I, again, I'm, I'm independent prosecutor. I can go with you on, on that for a ways. Uh, but I would say the idea that the community interest, I mean, or the, or the general, what was the, what were the words you used? Because they were good. I don't know. They, I, oh, just kind of well, came. No, I mean, I was just going to point out. Look, the the prevailing sense in the community in Salem, Massachusetts, was uh, we aren't doing enough about the witchcraft problem, uh, and we really need to push for more prosecutions. Um, You're going to go with and, that and analogy, I think, huh? I think okay. It needs, we need to be evidence driven and not, well, well, sure, and not driven by the whatever the perception in the community is. Well, I'm and saying, that's, well, that's, that's the what problem. Troubles me, and, and let me put it this way: if, if you're on the grand jury. And I don't know if have you seen the Tamir Rice video. I have, yeah. Well, I mean, do you believe uh, is there a probable cause that a crime was committed? Not that he acted uh, improperly. Not that he used poor judgment. Uh, not that um, uh, better training, you know, would have prevented this. Not that he pulled up too close. Did you think that he committed a crime? Did he? he Okay. Was it yeah. a murder or my, a, a uh, my my first my first take when I when I just saw the video was like the cops just flew in there and just shot this kid and it just right. seemed and so to me there was some doubt into my mind as to what exactly happened and which is the kind of thing where I'd like to see but, both but sides. Found, okay, so, so you're saying you would have found probable cause based on that likely. little bit without hearing okay. any yeah well you know yeah absolutely right. okay um, and I and I guess then you know the the other parts of it, the test, I mean, we'd assume the officer testimony was that he, he believed he was reaching for his waistband sure. and he had a reasonable belief he was reaching for it. Um, my, my point is that, you know, look, that's, that's the question that the grand jury is set to determine. They're not there to determine, uh, are the needs of the community being sure. met? No, uh, I understand or, that. Or, or, you know, how do we reform the police? No, department? but then that's not my point They're there for the very limited question of, was there a was there is there probable cause of a crime was committed? Yeah, absolutely, and that's not my point. My point is that there seems to be a lot of evidence that suggests that prosecutors can essentially get grand juries to do just about whatever they want, and so given the political pressures on prosecutors, and given the perception, even if you have a completely honest prosecutor who is above all of that stuff, it seems to make sense to me to take that out of the hands of the prosecutor and not to put them in such a difficult position. That's all. I'm okay. Fair enough. All Fair right. enough. And now, of course, there are some instances where, you know, we go back to Chicago where you have dash cam footage of someone being shot 16 times by a cop. You know, you can get, 
you can get right. charges and so forth. And but the concern isn't so much and if, and in, in Baltimore. Yeah, and in Baltimore. Yeah, so you know, the system can work when something is very egregious. But of course, in the Chicago case, the the that happened. It took more than a year for that to come out, that video, and the charges mm-hmm. to come out. And so the question again is one of well, what was what was City Hall trying to cover up? And again, I think it's another argument for having some sort of independent process that uh, that you know is a little insulated from that. And I think that would be a good thing. Okay. All right. Although, although I will, I will just in in leaving that sort of the issue the when you have independent prosecutors, there is always uh, there is always sort of mission creep. There is always sort of the, the and again maybe in this situation we're just talking about presenting a grand jury. It's not not so much, but right. Um, there are concerns there. Sure, and there could be unintended unintended consequences. There yeah. almost certainly would be some, and we don't know what they are, obviously, because that's why they're unintended consequences. Right. So, all right, moving on to uh, presidential politics. Actually, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen two more hopeless GOP presidential candidates abandon their campaigns. That would be former New York Governor George Pataki and South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. And I think the two big things that Pataki and Graham have in common were, number one, really abysmal poll numbers, which they oftentimes didn't even hit 1%. And secondly, decidedly moderate positions on most issues. And I think those two things are very much connected. What do you think, Jay? I, I'd agree. I mean, I, you know, my, my joke was going to be this, this changes everything. Um, All right. <laughs> These two guys are out. Um, I I I am a little bit sad to see Lindsey Graham go because I think he was a smart, substantive guy. Um, we were never going to elect a president named Lindsey. Just want to point that out. Right, but, right. You know. um, well, you didn't let me finish my sentence, but I, I don't know that he, he ever came off particularly presidential. No. Um, uh, there was a, a good uh, op-ed piece, and I'm trying to think who wrote it now. Uh, it escapes me. Um, but about sort of the, the you know when Lindsey Graham withdrawing is sort of the you know the tragedy of our age and it's it's sort of the sure. you know Trump flash over over substance, um, which there's some of some of that, um, but there's also some of again I just don't think he was a, a great candidate. Um, he and, would it tended to get less media uh, view just because he was probably more moderate, more more quiet. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Pataki. Um, you know, I have to say, I, I don't know that Pataki ever had that a huge amount of support. You know, again, the last time he was, when was he last governor of New York? I mean, that been, was it's been a while, but six, he, eight years ago. I mean, it was. He's more of a 1990s Republican. Yeah. And, and again, he'd been out of the, the public light, out of public office for, for a fair amount of time. Um, I, you know, again, I, I, from everything I understand, I guess he was a, he was an okay governor. Um, but, uh, uh, I don't remember anyone ever saying, you know, man, Pataki is. Yeah, he's know. my guy. He doesn't inspire yeah, a lot yeah, of I mean, passion. Uh, and again, if, if there's Pataki fans out there and I'm if I'm mischaracterizing or, or downplaying what his achievements were, I, I apologize. But, you but, know, did, no, I, I don't I don't think. Um, I was going to say, is this a larger thing? No, I mean, and look, and you have a, a, a field of of as many candidates as, as you do. Naturally, some of these guys are going to going to abandon their campaigns and they're just not going to get the traction that, that they need. Um, Although the, the word they use, they never say abandon. They always say they're suspending they're their suspending campaign, it, right. which sounds a lot better than I'm dropping out. I'm quitting. I'm facing reality, right, that right. sort of thing. 
So, but you know, and I think um, uh, we're going to see obviously a lot more of these sort of you know uh, uh, media uh, calls about well, this is you know a, a tragedy, not a tragedy, but you know very indicative when you know when uh, John Kasich drops out, although Kasich has decided to become kind of an uber hawk on on uh, military type stuff, you know. But uh, it's just not it's not the kind of not the kind of candidate that's going to win in Republican primaries. And it, it really is a shame, I think, because you can make a really good conservative argument. I mean, conservative in the you know, Edmund Burke, conservative sense, sense, yes, that uh, you don't want a president who inspires a lot of passion. You don't oh, want. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. You know, give so, me the most boring guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's good at who's good at balancing the books. And right. uh, government is yeah, the most dangerous and, when it's the least boring. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's very well put. You know, thank you. I mean, but but, you know, and that's not the kind of person, though, in our, in our media age who's going to get get the nomination. And it is, you know, I, I don't imagine. But it. I think you can you could you could say that Jeb Bush is plenty boring. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> he's still in the thick of it. So he is a Bush and, after and all. Like, They're not like, known like, for like their. You could also say that um, uh, George W. Bush was really sort of boring at the time. As was George uh, H. W. Was Bush. Romney and it's a family trait. Yeah. Definitely. So, so yeah, we're going to lose a lot more of these folks. And I think in the end, that's a good thing because then one of the more boring, less crazy people like probably a, a, a Marco Rubio will be able to get the nomination and avoid, you know, avoid the specter of a, of a, of a Trump as the, uh, as the nominee, which would be a bad thing, I think, for everyone, except for the Democrats who would work except for Hillary. Well for, yeah, except for Hillary. Okay. Um, you know, I said that at, given that we're at the beginning of a new year, I thought it would be good if we kind of looked back and at 2015, at what our top, we, we thought our top stories are, because we've almost been doing this for a year now. We started in right. February. so. Uh, and you know what? I, I just wanted to say, and I should have said this at the beginning of, of the podcast, is thank you to all our listeners and the people who recently friended us on Facebook. Absolutely. Um, it's it's really crazy because when we started this, we really figured we'd have maybe four listeners. Yeah. Um, and, and, I thought uh, we'd get into low double figures. I don't know, but yeah. uh, and and we sort of did this just for kicks because because we have fun. But but uh, we're we're really thrilled, and it really means a lot that people take uh, the time out to download and and uh, listen to uh, listen to what we have to say. Absolutely. And, and, uh, wow. I mean, I'm 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 humbled. So definitely, definitely, me too. I'm also humbled. So, but yeah, over the past year, and I, when I was kind of looking back. Uh, trying to figure out what what I felt the top stories were, I thought certainly for me the biggest thing was Islamic terrorism. Uh, you know, you had yeah. the kind of bookend attacks in Paris uh, at, at the beginning and the end of 2015, and then San Bernardino, and then the whole ISIS in Syria thing. I can't imagine anything being bigger or more important politically than that. Yeah, and it's it's I would say also the type of terrorism that we're talking about uh, is is interesting because it it's different than the the 9-11 uh, big, big uh, terrorism on the grand scale or the hijacking the airplane uh, yeah. kind of terrorism. It's it's the, the small local sort of mass murder. And that to uh, me seems to be the scarier and more effective in, in the sense of trying to, you know, trying to create terror because you never know. It could happen in Cleveland. It could happen in Cincinnati. It could happen anywhere. Well, and again, I, I think it's because, you know, and maybe it's just, the terrorists to figure this out. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to be the one to, to tell them this, but, um, no, I yeah, mean, right. you know, traditionally it always been targeted around big, big areas, which were in some, 
sense easier to protect. I mean, you can put more security around airports, around transportation, around landmarks, significant buildings. It's it's much more difficult to to defend the county offices or the, the offices of a of a magazine or, or something like that. Um, you know, that's that's a great point because it always amazes me actually how few attacks there seem to be in a way because I, I think about all the people who seem desperately to to hate the United States and and it, either they're horribly organized and don't know what they're doing or. We're actually doing a pretty good job of preventing these things, and it's probably some combination of the two. And I think it's, you know, unfortunate that that uh, U.S. Homeland Security and other law enforcement uh, investigative bodies don't really get credit for all of the attacks that don't happen, that are thwarted. For understandable right. reasons, yeah. they can't talk about it. But I think it's really amazing, and in a good way, and I'm really happy about this, that we haven't seen more acts of terror. And I'm concerned that we are going to be seeing more things like San Bernardino in the coming year. Right. More, more things like the, you know, maybe not a direct, direct, uh, um, oh, involvement by ISIS, but more inspired right. by, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, I think that's the top story for both of us to me, kind of right below that would be all of the shootings, uh, both the cops killing, you know, black people, mostly though the ones that made the, made the news and also mm-hmm. all the mass shootings. I think that's exploded in the media this year uh, in, you know, in a way that we haven't seen. And there's some debate over whether mass shootings are actually up or not. Uh, we certainly know that gun violence is down uh, historically over the last 20 years. That's but boy, there's, years yeah, so, there's yeah. been an awful lot in the media about that. And again, I think especially with the with the police shootings that it's a case of a lot more cameras with a lot more people and the police are going to have to adjust to the to the fact that they're being essentially watched a lot more of the time. And I think yeah. a lot of those things were simply never recorded so nothing happened. It was the cops' word against, well, nobody because no one had any video essentially. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a, a real conservative uh, notion here, um, in that most change doesn't occur because of governments uh, changing things or people changing things. It occurs because of technology. Absolutely. And this Good is point. this is one of these things where the technology has has made has made it different. Uh, I guess there's no way to tell whether there were more or less uh, uh, police shootings, how things were handled in the past, um, but but no, now we have more of these tools now again the tools aren't perfect i mean we just talked about tamir rice and there is videotape of that but you know it's it's kind of grainy surveillance videotape and, mm-hmm. and uh not close up and so forth but there is a videotape whereas 10 years ago there wouldn't have been right right absolutely so i i, I totally and, agree and that can that can cut both ways that yep. can cut uh into the sort of inflammatory uh notion because videos can be can be cut selectively to make things look one way and uh, uh, posted. Um, sure. As uh, or they can seen, also serve yeah. to exonerate people. And I think we're, we're sort of seeing both. But. Absolutely. So next on my list is it's my favorite, my, my favorite political development of the year, gay marriage being the law of the land. And I was uh, really gratified and pleased to see that happen. And to me, that's my favorite political story of the year and a big story for the, you know, millions of the, the millions of gay Americans who now can uh, can get married no matter where they live. Yeah. No, and I, you know, we had some really good, I would say some one of our perhaps one of our best shows when we, we talked about the gay marriage stuff, because um I'm not. I'm not opposed to gay marriage, but I'm opposed to uh, how the the court decided this. 
Right. Um, and, and I think we agreed on that, uh, if I recall. Um, but uh, no, it's it's a, a big deal, and I think it, it changes things in that this is now a question that's that's kind of off the table. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's been decided, and, and which that's actually helps Republicans. We can, yeah, we can move forward. Yeah, pardon. Which actually helps Republicans, I think, going I forward. I think so too. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that I think a very positive development. And then finally, I know this is like four, but uh, I couldn't come up with the top three. It's the uh, the 2016 presidential can- campaign, especially the remarkable rise of Donald Trump. Right, which both of us predicted that this was going to be a flash in the pan, and he would be out of this or would have lost interest in it uh, after a couple months. And we're still predicting this, though. I, I we think uh, I think we both think that he is going to do pretty poorly once people actually start voting and his supporters aren't voting. And I am sure that he will pull out and uh, blame everyone but Donald Trump. Right. You know? Because a country, a bunch of losers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're all losers. And uh, and, and I, uh, I think he'll probably end up being a very... Uh, a very entertaining commentator on the on the Republican the, the Republican contest going forward. At least that's what I wonder. I don't think a lot of people say there's going to be a contested nomination and that Cleveland's going to be really interesting because Cleveland, of course, has the uh, the Cleveland's Republican. always interesting. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely, certainly. But be even more interesting this summer when no candidate comes into Cleveland with enough uh, with enough delegates to secure the nomination. I don't think that's going to happen. I agree. I, I don't think we're sort of we're sort of wait, waiting into next year's predictions. Yeah. yeah. So let's 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 just let's just call yeah, it that. That's just yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's a a, non, a prediction for something that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump will not be the nominee. Uh, I don't think it will be a a brokered convention or a contested convention. Right. I agree. Uh, In fact, there, there may be no let no limit. Let's let's put it this way: there may be some some grouching and some talking back and forth. Uh, uh, but I, sure. I don't believe that the result, the end result, will be in doubt. It might actually be a content, uh, a convention worth watching, which we haven't had in quite a while. But I don't think it's actually going to be contested. Yeah. So yes. my other prediction, speaking of my presidential prediction, uh, my prediction is that Clinton will defeat Rubio, winning uh, a very close race. I think that Clinton will end up with fewer than 300 electoral votes in the end. But I think it will be okay. President Hillary Clinton. Do you have a presidential I, I pick? W- I would I would say uh, Marco Rubio, and I would go the other way. Okay, same kind of close that, race sort of thing. Hillary will not be able to carry Ohio. Hillary will not carry Florida, uh, and those those will be the differences there. And I, I think there will also be um, there will be more Hillary problems down the line. Okay, all right. Um, again, that's that's sort of like I mean that's that's kind of an easy kind of prediction to make. Yeah, so. I think so. Okay, um, my second big prediction. In a five to three vote, the Supreme Court will end affirmative action as we know it in college admissions in the case um, that they recently heard, uh, Fisher versus the University of Texas. Right. And that's Elena, K- Elena Kagan uh, uh, recused herself. Uh, abstaining. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because she was. Yeah. So she I was think. Count, yes. Counsel. And, that's yeah. that's a big deal in my world, being a, a college professor. And it seems to me that I think that's a. That's not a very bold prediction in the sense that most Supreme Court watchers seem to think that the court's going to lean on the side of basically telling telling colleges that they can't use the sort of affirmative action admissions programs that they've been using for quite a while now. Right. Okay. And, and I guess my prediction is that not much will actually change because of that or just be sort of a revamping the, the way that 
that uh, admissions are done to some extent. And, and, and quite honestly, this, this should be, I mean, conservatives should, should rejoice at this, uh, looking at things like socioeconomic factors rather than race. Right. Okay. Um, so, and, I, and I think that's, and I think that's fine. Um, okay. although, although, you know, we didn't talk about this last time when we will later, but you know, the, the top 10%, which is a uh, solution, which essentially is what's being challenged in uh, Texas. Well, not the top 10%. It's really a Republican idea. Because the top 10% thing is okay. The woman who, the woman Fisher, obviously, the, yeah. the woman who is challenging it didn't make it into the top 10% cut. And right. so what she's challenging is, is outside of that top 10% thing, she felt that race played a role in her not getting admitted. So actually the, the, the constitutionality of the top 10% thing isn't, isn't in question, but it's Texas using, un, using race in addition to just that top ten percent right. thing, right. so okay, so yeah, but I have I have one more big prediction. This is also going to be a Supreme Court prediction. This one's a little more of a reach, but okay, um, and it's it's tied into my Clinton winning the presidency prediction. So here it is. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, and after over twenty two years on the Supreme Court, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg will step down. She's the oldest member of the Supreme Court. She turns 83 in March. And I think mm-hmm. uh, she's she's going to step. Maybe it won't happen in 2016, but I think it's going to happen uh, uh, fairly, you know, with before too that's, long. That's a pretty, that, again, that's a pretty, pretty easy call. If yeah. you if you assume the Clinton presidency, yes. I also want to point out call. that Justice Ginsburg became a justice on my birthday. I didn't even know that before. <laughs> Just weird, fun fact. So, you know, but uh, so those are my big predictions for 2016. Uh, what about uh, you have any big predictions, Jay? What else? I see, I, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not good at predictions. Uh, other than no one is my president, my, my presidential thing. Um, hmm. Think the Democrats will uh, make any gains in, in Congress in the upcoming elections? I know. I think I think the Democrats will make gains in the Senate just because of the map. Yeah, because Republicans uh, are defending more seats. There, yeah, there's just too much territory to defend, and and some of those are tougher seats to hold than others. Uh, I, I don't think Ohio will be much in question. Although I've I've seen you know people are saying Ohio will be a disputed. I state. can't so imagine there's going to be an election there, but I think Rob Portman will win in Ohio easily. And, and I um, think I think the only way that the Repub- that <clears throat> sorry that the Democrats actually regain control of the Senate is if. Uh, Donald Trump is the nominee, in which case I think they will gain control, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be more like a maybe 51-49 kind of thing or something like that. Yeah, I, I again, I, I'd say uh, Democrats pick up seats, but they don't gain control. Yeah, and uh, I don't think the House and the House is yeah. the House is out of reach. Yeah, definitely. So I think if we're looking at unified control, it's a lot more likely that there's going to be Republican unified control of the presidency and Congress than Democratic unified control. Yep. So okay, well, those those are all my predictions and all your predictions. Uh, before we before we uh, leave for today, I you had one story that you wanted to talk about, something about the <clears throat> Veterans Affairs Veterans Administration. I, I do, and I just want to hit briefly on this because okay. I, we've had sort of a long show today. But um, the Veterans um, uh, the Veterans Administration hospitals <clears throat> have announced that they are opening a transgender clinic. Um, in Arizona, and this was too much fanfare. Um, and mm-hmm. let me just say, I, you know, all right, that's great. I have nothing against the the transgendered folks, although I, um, 
you know, in this day and age, I'm not entirely sure what transgendered means. Uh, I didn't coin the phrase, and it's sort of been used in a bunch of different contexts to mean everything from from the whole kind of Caitlyn Jenner uh, reassignment surgery to, uh, you know, people who just sort of have leanings or feelings, uh, you know, maybe a, a man yeah. who's sort of no, a I think that's... Or, or a woman who's, you know, sort yeah. of... I think that's yeah. pretty close. Is, is the the basic uh, the basic understanding is that is someone whose self identity doesn't match uh, his or her biological, you know, biological right. to some extent yeah. or another. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm not sure exactly what what it is that that they're doing. I'm not exactly. Again, I can understand that there would be particular medical needs when you're talking about a um, uh, Bruce Jenner because he'll always be Bruce to me. Sure. Um, type type situation uh but you know to me it also seems sort of like a lot of government silliness uh i don't know that that uh, most diseases or cancer or hip replacements uh, strike the transgendered more or less oh, or of course in a different not. way than they do everybody else <clears throat> of course um, not but but i think i think and, and the bigger the bigger the bigger point to me is um for those who wonder why there are folks out there who flock to candidates like trump um when you look at, we've had a, a significant VA scandal going over the past couple of years about uh, people not being able to get treatment, uh, tens of thousands of people not being able to get treatment, uh, some allegedly dying while awaiting treatment, <clears throat> and multiple promises of we need to fix the VA, uh, and along comes uh, Obama with with this. Uh, I think that's sort of it, it makes a lot of people's heads spin, and I'm, I'm again I. I anticipate the argument you're going to make that uh, this is a small number of people. It doesn't cost that much. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. But again, the, the optics of it, of uh, we need to fix the VA, and then the response is transgender clinic. Uh, that's that's what I think drives yeah, I don't, I don't really think that was the response, but, but I mean, I think it was – I think it's a good thing that they're doing. And just because you – just because, uh, you know, you have some long-term goals that are really difficult to reach doesn't mean that you – don't do other things that you can do that serve a fairly large community. I've seen estimates that around there are around 15,000 transgender personnel on active duty. So I'm sure there are even you know far more than that in uh, who are who are veterans and so forth. So I say you know absolutely there are some really Suppose, the clinic is supposed to treat. They were think they're anticipating like 130 people. Okay, and so you know some you <clears> open up a few hours, uh, you know uh, one or two days a week, and and you help out people who have this specialized problem i say that's a great thing and i can understand how people who who maybe are not able to take a look at this story in its fuller context would say that's just ridiculous i also know that it's something that people who are anti-gay and anti-transgender i know that's not you would you know just throw up their hands and say this is just another example of uh as justice scalia one time called it the gay agenda right the homosexual agenda sort of driving politics who now justice scalia i don't think is uh necessarily pro-gay i'd say he's actually actively anti-gay but that's another story oh we can we can talk about that another time i I think he's i don't think he's anti-gay i think he's pro-constitution but but neither here nor there. I just thought it was it, to me. It's it's as as the the phrase goes, bad optics uh, for Obama, to the extent that you know he wants to be shown doing something significant to fix the VA. And I'm I'm not against hey let's uh, you know just because we have big problems doesn't mean we can't fix smaller problems sure. first. But um, the the uh, <laughs> the optics and the the sense. I'm I'm just saying the reaction to it. 
Uh, I, yeah, I could totally see how this could be spun. Yeah, narrative. absolutely, absolutely. So, okay, well, that's about that's about all we have time for this week. So, thanks very much, folks, for listening. And if you have any questions or just any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is politicsguys at gmail dot com. It's politicsguys one word gmail dot com. And our and Facebook, go to the Facebook yeah, they definitely where Jay, Jay and I we've both been mm. posting comments on posting the articles throughout the week. We've kind of gone back and forth a little bit and you can comment too. We've had some, some listeners comment and to reach that, you just go to facebook.com slash politics guys page. Again, one word politics guys page. So check it out and maybe give us a like. And again, we appreciate all the, the people who have done that over the past few weeks since we've had the page. And finally, if you're listening to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, we'd really appreciate it. If you could take a minute to rate the show and write a quick review, the politics guys will be back with a new episode on Sunday. We hope you'll join us.